So we're going to continue our study on the Holy Spirit. And again, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. God had a better plan than just walking side by side with us. God wanted to come and take up residence in these earth suits. And if it really ever dawns on you that the God of this universe loves you so much that he wanted to come and live inside of you, that really is kind of a wow moment to really think about his love for us. I just want to jump back to the book of Hebrews just for a minute because as I'm studying the Holy Spirit, it again reflects some from back in the book of Hebrews. But back in the book of Hebrews, if you remember, we talked about as the writer of Hebrews compares the Old Covenant with the New Covenant or the Old Testament with the New Testament. So these Bibles we have have two testaments or two covenants. The Old Covenant as he said, never took care of the sin problem. Even though they offered up thousands and thousands of sacrifices, it never took care of the sin problem, and man was still at a distance from God because the sin problem was never taken care of. And so let me just give you one example back on Mount Sinai when he was getting the Ten Commandments, Moses. It says the people were really afraid. It says in Exodus 20, verse 18, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And the Bible says, they said to Moses, Moses, you speak to us. Don't let God speak to us or we'll die. I mean, they had a fear of God. And again, it wasn't that God didn't love them, but the sin problem kept God at a distance. He wanted to be up close and personal. But under the old covenant, if you remember, only the high priest once a year could go in the presence of God. So God was always at a distance because of the sin problem. But under the new covenant, when Jesus came, he died for the very thing that had separated us from God. He took care of the sin problem, and now all of a sudden, God that seemed like he was a million miles away is all of a sudden up close and personal. The Bible says when he died, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The sin problem was taken care of through that one death. He doesn't have to come down every year and die. Through that one death, he forever took care of the sin problem. And today we're going to celebrate communion later on to celebrate that incredible gift that once and for all took care of the sin problem. And because of that, the Bible says what they could not experience in the old covenant, they could not get close to God because of the sin problem. Under the new covenant, it says, let us come boldly to the throne of, of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So now, because Jesus took care of the sin problem, not only could the high priest, we all can come into God's presence 24-7 because the sin problem has been taken care of. And not only that, but as we're studying the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Not only does his death on the cross give us access to heaven, but it also provided a way that he could come down and take up residence in these earth suits. That really is my, it really is my, we really think that the God of this universe loves you so much. He didn't want to have heaven without you. I mean, he could have had the worship of the angels. He had the splendor and the glory of heaven. The only thing he gained by coming down and dying on the cross was you and me. I mean, to think that he loved us so much 
And that right now we can have that intimate relationship because Jesus took care of the sin problem. So the verse we've kind of been springboarding from through this study is 1 Thessalonians 5.23 where Paul says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And so again, understanding how God created us I think is really important to understanding many of the scriptures in the Bible. And probably studying body, soul, and spirit has done more for me personally in understanding the Bible than any other subject I've ever studied. Because again, some of the Bible doesn't make sense if you don't understand how God created us. And so again, we have a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body. So a lost person, I believe the Bible talks about having a dead spirit. Doesn't mean they're not alive, it just means they're disconnected from God. So they have a spirit, they have a soul, they have a body. But again, they're disconnected with God. Every lost person, the only difference between a lost person and a saved person, a saved person has accepted that gift and the sin problem has been taken care of. And so when you invite God into your life, and again, we say it different ways. We often say, invite Jesus into your heart, but he doesn't come into our physical heart, but he's coming into that innermost being of our life, which more accurately would be our spirit. So we invite Jesus into our life and God comes into our life. And from that day forward, God will never leave you. Matter of fact, a verse we love to quote so much that we can never be separated from the love of God. And the reason you can never be separated from the love of God is he lives inside of you. He loves you so much. He not only wants you to come into his presence, but because he took care of the sin problem, he can come and live in these earth suits. That really is Amazing. And so again, we have a right standing relationship with God, not based on our performance, but the reason we have a right standing relationship with God is because Jesus took care of the sin problem and we've asked him to come into our life. And so I've used average Joe here before, but again, I just want to show you if Joe were a believer and one day he fell into sin, how many of you have ever fell into sin? We all have. And so one day he fell into sin, one day he's on a mountaintop, and one day he's just really in the basement digging holes. He's really down, he's kind of in a fog, just struggling. I may ask you, which day is he in a right relationship with God? They're all the same. Because his relationship to God is not based on how he feels or his performance. I want to tell you every day you get up, if you're a believer, you have a right standing relationship with God. You can go to God 24-7 if you're a believer, not based on whether you're having a good day or bad day, but it's based on what Christ did for you. I just want you to know that God loves you unconditionally. He knows we're a work in progress, but he loves us. And he's willing to help us in that process. So again, we're kind of three parts. He comes to live in our spirit. And the Bible says our spirit and God's spirit are one spirit. And, and probably this time, it just kind of dawned on me, as I've been studying this time, it dawned on me we're part of the Trinity. How crazy is that? That if our spirit and his spirit are one spirit, and remember, Jesus prayed to the Father, Father, I pray that as you are in me and I'm in you, that they would be one in us. In the spirit realm, we are connected to the Trinity. That's strange. The last person you would probably ever suspect that God would want connected is me, if you get to know me. But I just want to tell you, God loves you so much. He wants us to be connected to him 
100%. And so we have a, a spirit, and that part of you is perfect, by the way. Whatever part God comes, whatever your theology is, that part where God comes and lives inside of you, I think we would all agree God is perfect. So that part of you is already complete. But the other part of you, our soul, that's the part where our mind, our emotions, our will, our personality, that part of us will never, ever quit changing to become more like Christ. We call it sanctification. So part of you is in the process of becoming more Christ-like. Part of you is already 100% connected to God. And part of you, your earth suit, is wearing out. And the older I get, the more my earth suit wears out. By the way, this week, I went and did something crazy. I went and did a pre-need funeral. I went and I met and I, 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 I told Brenda, let's go together. Let's go out on a date and go do our pre-need. She didn't go with me. But anyway, let me just say, I know that sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. As many funerals as I've done over the last couple of years, I've done a lot of funerals. I went as a customer. I said, I just want to come. I want to, I want to do a pre-need. I, I said, I may change it every few years. I'm not planning on going anytime soon, but I just want to write down what I, what I would like. Can I tell you, if there's one thing that you want to make a statement about, it's about your funeral. Why should you let your kids plan it? I'd rather trust me. But anyway, so it was kind of crazy. I brought a picture, everything. I mean, I had it all detailed out. And I said, my family can change anything on here. This is, what, this is my dream. I want to get buried in, in, in a carpenter pants and a fishing shirt. Brenda said, it's a suit. So I don't know. It may be a suit. But anyway, I just put down my wishes. I had fun. It was kind of fun talking about what I wanted at my funeral. I know you guys have fun other ways. All right? I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but I would, again, we're going to die. And again, I'm not saying I'm, I feel like I'm a death right around the corner. But it was kind of fun to talk about and give them what I wanted. But anyway, so our, our earth suit's wearing out. It's going back to dust. One day it's going to be resurrected and be reunited to our spirit. But again, we're made up of three parts. And when you understand that, really, a lot of the Bible doesn't make sense unless you can separate spirit, soul, and body. Because it does really help us. So last week, we talked about not being double-minded. Really important. What's going on between your ears is really, really important. And so the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 2, the very last verse, we have the mind of Christ. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The reason you have the mind of Christ is you have his spirit living inside of you. Literally, as you get to know the Holy Spirit, you will know what's on the mind of Christ. Because you have his mind inside of you. Isn't that crazy to think that he gave us his spirit so that we can know him? But we also have an earthly mind. So what is a double-minded person? Again, as I tried to share last week, my, my definition would be a double-minded person is a person that doesn't think like the Holy Spirit. Because his mind is always 100% for God. Always. 100%. So if we're a single-minded person, our mind and his mind are thinking alike. I'm going to set my mind on things above. I'm going to renew myself by the renewing of my mind. And so I'm going to begin to think like God thinks. But if my mind is on the stuff of this world and I'm all caught up in all the craziness of this world... That's a double-minded person. And James says a double-minded person is unstable, what? In all of his ways. Think about that. All of your life will be total chaos if you don't start thinking like God thinks. Because then you're going to find yourself stressed and all uptight 
even though you're saved and on your way to heaven. So what you're thinking about really is important. Proverbs 23 says, as we mentioned last week, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. What you think about really does make a difference. Our mind, as we said, is like a movie theater. We think in pictures. And I just want to ask you, what are you showing in the theater of your mind when you lie down to go to sleep? What's playing in the theater of your mind when you're driving and nobody's in the car? What you're thinking about really does determine who you are and what you're about. All right. And so again, I mentioned last week, the world knows this. And again, all the advertisement is always trying to capture our imagination. And so you'll never go down the road and see a sign that says steakhouse ahead. I've never seen that. But what you might see is something like this. All right. A larger than life steak. And maybe you haven't even been hungry for steak. But all of a sudden you see that steak and the juice is dripping off the board. And you got to go have a steak. I just want to tell you, you think in pictures. The devil knows that and the world knows that. That's why all advertisement is geared to capture your, a picture in your mind. Because once they have that picture in your mind, they have you. So keeping your mind on the things of God is a process, all right? As we mentioned last week, men and women think differently. Someone on Wednesday night, I was, I was kind of going over that. And somebody on Wednesday night hollered out, men have waffle brains, women have spaghetti, and so I, I, I've heard that somewhere. I don't know who said it, but it's, you know, guys, again, we think about one compartment at a time. That's all we're talking about this compartment. That's all we want to talk about. But ladies, everything is interconnected. And I'm talking about this box. And all of a sudden, ladies are bringing up stuff that happened two years ago. That I, what, what's, it, why, what's the connection? Everything's connected for a lady. That's why you get with a bunch of guys. We just grunt a lot. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, we get bored on one side, but women, man, they're all just weaving. They're talking about everything. Everything's interconnected. I mean, women can just go. I'm glad God made us different, but no matter how our brain is wired, we still have to set it on the things of God. Still have to stay focused. All right. We mentioned last week, Paul says in Romans eight to be carnally minded with just really is earthy minded. Your mind is just on the stuff of this world. Because again, you care about your earth suit and you're always wrapped up. And so he says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. How important is what you're thinking about? Paul says that if you're in the flesh, if your mind is just really in the carnal things of this world... You will never please God. So it sounds pretty important what you allow to play in the theater of your mind. And I like how James, in James 1, he compares the Bible to a mirror. And we've talked about this. How many of you uh, looked in a mirror this morning? All right, the others should have. All right, you should have. All right. But anyway, you never just go out. Even though you wake up feeling like a million dollars, you always go to the mirror. And the mirror will tell you, you know, you've got an antenna sticking up. you got some things going on there. And again, you do what you can do and you water it, wet it. You put body putty, whatever it is. Finally, the mirror says, that's all we can do. you got to go. But you listen to the mirror. The mirror reflects your earth suit. All right? But I want to tell you, in the same way, James says the Word of God reflects who we are in the spirit realm. If we believe a mirror, which we do believe the mirror, what it tells us about our earth suit, 
How much more should we believe the word of God that tells us how God sees us in the spirit realm? Now, let me say, if God sees us one way, are we that way? We're that way whether we feel it or not, whether we experience it or not. I'm just telling you, we can trust what God says. All right, so we need to be thinking like God thinks. This is my favorite illustration of my life so far. So this is Rhett, maybe about three or four weeks ago. He fell asleep on my shoulder. Everything that you guys have ever told me about being a grandparent, it's better. It's better. And when he fell asleep on my shoulder, my arm went to sleep. But I didn't care. You know, I think about that little guy and how much love I have for Rhett. And as he was laying on my shoulder and I took a selfie, I'm not very good at selfies, probably a little crooked, maybe out of focus. But I took that picture and God seemed to speak to me very clearly, not in an audible voice, but very clearly. And God said to me, that's how I feel about you. I said, God, I'm, I'm a mess. He goes, I know that. God, I got so many things I got to get straight. He said, I know that. But I love you far more than you love Red. This day kind of changed my life. You know, one day, Red is going to get a lot of information from things out in the world. And they may tell him, oh, you're never, your grandpa's never going to love you unless you get this together or that together. Your grandpa's never going to. I want to tell you, it's, it's none of that would be true. I don't know if Red ever knows. I don't know if he'll ever understand how much I love him. But it's not based on anything he's done. Take it kind of a step farther. You know, I kind of describe my love for Red as unmeasurable. It's unconditional, unexplainable, incomparable, unbelievable, never ending. I really cannot really tell you how much I love this guy. It's really unexplainable. But it's not based on the income that he's bringing into the family. He hasn't brought one dollar to help us with our utilities. It's not based on his performance. He hasn't done any, any chores. He's five and a half months old. Hasn't done any chores. Hasn't come over to cut Pawpaw's grass. He's literally done no performance to deserve love. He's a work in progress. He's only five and a half months old. But I love him in the process. I love him right where he is. I, I understand he's a work in progress. But I love him right where he is in the process. And I just want to tell you, wouldn't it be crazy if you discovered that right where you are in the process, God loves you unconditionally right now, right where you are. And so I love Red 100%. In the process. I know that he's, he's not where he's going to be in another six months. But right where he all is as a five and a half month old. I love him. I loved him that much when he was four months old. When he was three months old. I probably tell him 50 times. I love you, buddy. I love you so much. You know, when... One day when I'm gone, 
I don't know how long God allowed me to live, but, but rep may not remember one sermon. Doesn't matter. If I could ask God to give me one thing for Rhett to remember about me, it would be that I loved him unconditionally. I hope that he always knows and remembers how much I loved him. Now, I love my kids. I love Ryan and Marin, Courtney and Jason, obviously Brenda, Rhett. And I said, by the way, when I filled out what I wanted for my funeral, I said, all of the above can be changed by my family. And I listed them. I even put Rhett's name on there. He can change something. I mentioned last week I had a nurse from United Healthcare come by a few months, a few weeks ago, actually, and she checked me from head to toe, kind of going through all the physical and everything, and we got to talk, and we really had just a great conversation, and her family, they live about two hours away. She's probably about 30 years old, and they're very involved with their church, and so we got to talking about things and really developed a great uh, rapport, and so before she left, I said, uh, Nakia, would you mind, can I pray for you? And Brenda was kind of hiding in the back room, but she came out. She came out, I think, right before we prayed. And so she was just trying to stay out of the way. I don't know why. But anyway, she came out. And so I said, I would really love to pray for you. Man, you just seem like such an amazing nurse. She was very positive, very upbeat. Can I just tell you, no matter what you're called to do, you can make a difference out there. And I really developed a prayer. I said, Nikita, what, what can I pray for you about? And she said, I'm just anxious to get to where I need to be, that next step. You say, I'm just anxious about, I just want to get to where that next step is. The problem is, when you get to that next step, there'll be another step. And I mean, again, as clearly as God could speak, as clearly as God could speak, God gave me this to give to her. He said, maybe you're exactly where God wants you to be today. If you weren't here, Nikki, I would never have met you. I think God puts you here this day. I think you're right where you need to be. And if you can accept that, I tell you, why wait till you get somewhere else to experience God's love? Right now, in the process, he loves you unconditionally as you are, even though you are a work in progress. And his love is not based on our performance. It's based on the fact that Jesus took care of the sin problem. He loves you unconditionally. What an incredible gift. Let me just remind you of a few very familiar verses that just remind us of God's love. A verse we love to quote, for God so loved the world, he gave. The reason Jesus came down to this earth, he loved you so much, he didn't want to have heaven without you. That's crazy. But he not only made a way for us to come into his presence, his death made a way for him to come into our heart. And one day we get to spend an eternity with God. It's because he so loved the world. That's why he did it. Ephesians 3, as Paul was praying for the church at Ephesus, he says, if you could just know the height and the depth, the width and the length. He said, if you could know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you be filled with all the fullness of God. He's praying that they could somehow grasp the fullness of God's love. I'll tell you, if you really honestly would receive that God loves you unconditionally, it'll change your life. God's not waiting for you to get to another point to love you. He loves you today. He loves you in the process. He loves you unconditionally. 
1 John 3, John says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. If there's anybody that does not deserve to be called a child of God, it's Roger Johnson. But that's the love of God. He's adopted us into his family. And by the way, you guys are stuck with me. We're related. You can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. Amen? 1 John 4, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Not only is God a God of love, but his children should also spread that love. If God is love, it would make sense that his children would also let that love flow out of them. That's that unconditional godly love. We love each other, even though we don't see eye to eye, even though we have differences, even though we don't differ on the color of the carpet, we can love each other. You say, how is it possible for all of us with so many backgrounds to come together and worship? There's only one way to explain it, and that's the love of God. The love of God enables us to love each other when we're not always lovable. That's God. So the, I love how Hebrews says, for by one offering he has perfected forever. That's your spirit. Your spirit has been perfected forever. Your spirit and God's spirit are one. In the spirit realm, God sees you as righteous, as justified. He sees you as a saint. He sees you as his child, an overcomer, the bride of Christ. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, we're just sinners saved by grace. And on a scale of 1 to 100, that's probably the worst definition of a Christian that I know. And again, I just ask you, go through the Bible. You give me all the verses that say we're just an old sinner saved by grace. You won't find them. 57 times the Bible calls us saints. God has set us apart to be like him and to be united with him, not based on our performance, but it's based on the blood of Jesus and him taking care of the sin problem. I just want you to know that in God's eyes, you're a saint. You're somebody special to God. It really is true. He says he is perfected forever. That's the spirit. Those who are being sanctified, that's the soul. So part of us is a continual work in progress Part of us is already perfected. But God's willing to help us in the process. So when you see or you hear things about Roger Johnson, somebody says, man, that preacher, you know what he did? Would you always remember, I'm a work in progress. And I hope you'll say to them, he's a work in progress. Don't be frustrated at each other because we're all works in progress. But God loves us through the process. All right? So our soulish realm, by the way, I... I how many of you saw this picture go up in the middle? This is really important. I'm going to do it again. I had Brenda take my picture. It was awkward. I went down there and she took my best side, my backside. I cropped it in there because when, when Rhett was laying on my shoulder, and God said, that's how I feel about you. I couldn't believe it. What would happen to you if you could picture yourself laying on the shoulder of God? And if God felt about you far more than what I could think about Rhett, I wonder what would happen if you could just receive that God loves you that much. It literally will change your life. If you could receive that God loves you unconditionally.
And so the soul, our mind, our emotions, our will, what you think about affects your emotions. Your emotions affect your decision-making. So even as a Christian, even though you have God in your life, if your mind is on the stuff of this world, you're going to stress out. I have a, uh, Robin gave me many years ago a bumble ball, and it just kind of a thing, it just shakes. And I know Christians who are stressed, and they're just worried about everything. And they just stress. Anybody know anybody that worries? I'm going to try to turn this off. Don't look at anybody. Can I tell you when we worry and when we fret and when we, it just means our mind is not lined up with God's mind. Because he's never worried. God has everything under control. But I'm just telling you, it's possible for a Christian on their way to heaven, going to make it to heaven, be completely stressed out on this side if your thinking isn't lined up with his thinking. We're all going to make it. If you're a believer, your chances of making it are 100%. Some of us are just going to enjoy the journey and some of us he's going to have to drag along. But you're going to make it. Shouldn't we want to enjoy the journey? You know, this week, a couple nights ago, I called to get our internet changed at our house. How many of you love calling those helplines? You're in some country, somewhere, someone who cannot hardly speak English. But I actually got somebody in Orlando, Florida. Just had Ian come through there. So she was talking. She was 28 years old. Dacia was her name, I believe. And we were talking. And I had her on speakerphone. Brenda was in the room with And I mean, we, I had the best conversation. I felt like we were lifelong friends. She was laughing and I was laughing. And we were joking around and laughing. And I mean, she was, I, I said to Dacia, I said, you are the happiest person I have ever talked to on a hotline. Ever. I said, you're either spirit-filled or you're drunk. I said, one of the two. I mean, she was so happy. Can I just tell you, no matter what you do in life, you can make a difference. I mean, she was unbelievably positive. And so she helped me out. And at the end of the conversation, I said, Deja, before I hang up, I would love to pray for you. She said, I have a 93. I said, where do you get all that joy? She said, I have a 93-year-old grandma. My 93-year-old grandma was always laughing, always smiling, always upbeat. I said, well, you are very blessed because you got a lot of grandma on you. And I said, how can I pray for you, Daisha? And she said, this was her request. I mean, she seemed like the most upbeat person I'd ever talked to on the phone ever. And she said to me, would you pray for me? I'm really anxious. Now, I would have never suspected that. I'm just telling you, life can stress us out. What we're talking about is so important, what's going on between your ears. 90% of life is in your thought life. And how you react to that does make a, a major difference, all right? And so sanctification is a process. So we're either going to have our mind on the things of this world, and we're going to find ourselves stressed out, or we're going to be thinking like God thinks, and we're going to be resting. How many of you know two people can be living in the same household under the same circumstances and one can be enjoying the journey and the other can be completely stressed out and be a bear? It's not that God loves one over the other. God loves us all the same. The difference is we got to get rid of some stinking thinking. We got to begin to think like God thinks. I wonder what would happen every day if you saw yourself laying on the shoulder of God.
and know that he loves you unconditionally. I've always been told God's love is unconditional. I've been told that. All, but why don't we believe that? Somehow we believe if we got to get everything straightened out, God will love us. I'm telling you, he loves you in the process. If I can love Rhett in the process of him growing up, I guarantee you God will love us. So there's a couple blanks on your notes here. We got to hurry, so you got to listen really fast. Let's all read together. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not earthy, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so every thought. I mean, how important is all those thoughts? We got to take every thought. Because again, Satan wants to spit a thought into your mind. And if he can get you to believe something is true that isn't true, he knows you're going to stress out. He's going to have you where he wants you. So let's kind of look at the mind for a minute, the target of our mind. Satan is out to target your mind. And he knows if he can get your mind thinking against God, he's going to have you where he wants you. And now listen to what Paul said to the church at Corinth. I fear, least somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul said, I fear that Satan is going to get you in your mind. He's targeting your mind to think not like God thinks. He wants you to think that God doesn't like you. He's disappointed in you, and you're just a total failure to God. I'm telling you, that's not God. Now, I wish Satan looked like this, this guy on the right. Don't you wish Satan would show up with red leotards and a pitchfork? It'd be so easy to see him. I wish Satan would come up and say, Roger, this is the devil. I want to, I want to, I want to say something. I'm going to spit a thought. He doesn't do that. He doesn't come and say, hey, I'm the devil. As a matter of fact, the rascal comes as an angel of light. Listen to what the Bible says. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Temptation, he actually quoted a scripture to, to Jesus. He may quote you a scripture to make you believe something is true that isn't true. That's why you got to know the Bible. I'm just telling you, Satan will spit that thought in your mind. He'll appear as an angel of light. But if you don't know the Bible, I'm just telling you, God will never speak contrary to the Bible, ever. So we have to know the Word. And so Satan's goal is to spit those thoughts and get them to stick in our mind. I want to tell you, if you accept that thought and hold on to it, and I have people telling me, Pastor, I'm going to try to argue with the devil. Let me make you a 100% guarantee. If you let that thought land in your mind and you start arguing with the devil, 100% of the time, he's going to win. He's been at this a long time. That's why the Bible tells us, Paul goes on to say, don't give place to the devil. Do not let that thought land in your mind. I love how the ESV version says, give no opportunity to the devil. Once you let that dart land in your mind, once you let that thought land in your mind, I'm going to tell you, it's going to change you in a negative way. You got to take every thought captive. And so when we understand that, when he shoots those darts, we just let them go by. We don't let them. Now, let me just say that a thought is not a sin. The initial thought is not a sin. It only becomes a sin if you let it land in your brain and begin to think about it. Then it becomes a problem. 
And so even Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in all points we are, yet without sin. He experienced every dart that Satan could throw, but he did not let them land. I'm not as good as he is. Sometimes I let those darts land and I struggle with my thought life. But you got to understand, Jesus has faced every fiery dart of the enemy, yet without sin. Very important. So my closing survey, because you may say, well, I'm not sure if my mind is on God's stuff or on the world's stuff. Let me summarize it this way. If we're thinking like God thinks, we'll see ourselves in a right standing relationship with God. And you can write these down on your notes. Do you honestly feel that today you are in a right standing relationship with God? I know you got problems. I know you got things you're struggling with. But the reason you're in a right standing relationship is not based on your performance, but it's based on the blood of Jesus. Do you see yourself as justified? Just as if you had never sinned. I mean, your spirit is one with God. Do you see yourself as unconditionally loved by God? Do you see yourself as an overcomer? Do you see yourself as a conqueror? That's how the Bible describes this part of it. Or do you see yourself as a sinner? Do you see yourself as being defeated in life because you never can quite get it all together? Do you think, does Satan whisper in your mind, you're just a phony. You're not really a Christian because you wouldn't be doing the stuff you're doing. You're a disappointment to God. You're just not good enough. I cannot tell you how many Christians have a poor self-image because we refuse to believe what God says and we begin to believe the lies of the enemy. I hope and I pray that somehow I can receive the love of God as I hope Rhett receives my love. Is, is Courtney here? I don't know if Courtney's here or not. Courtney, I asked her if she'd bring Rhett down. I've never done this. May not ever do it again. I don't know what will happen when Rhett comes down. He may take one look at everybody and cry. I don't know. He may look at me and cry. So I want to give you, I didn't do this in the other services. This is the only service. I want to leave you with the ultimate illustration of God's love. The best way I could illustrate it. And he's even awake. There's no way, there's no way with human words I can tell you how much I love this guy. And I know he's a work in progress. It doesn't matter. I love him dirty diapers and all. I love this guy. Even though he wakes up in the middle of the night and I should be on his schedule, it's okay. I love him unconditionally. And I just want you to know that God loves you the same way. And I hope that you can receive the unconditional love of God. I love you, buddy. Just kind of looking around. It's strange up here, isn't it? I appreciate Courtney taking a risk on coming down. How many of you know when I text her on Saturday night, I'm never giving anything away. I want us to stand up. I want us to, to sing to each other. I'm going to have uh, David, if he's here.
Alexandra. So that's on. Is David here? Where's David? He's coming. He must have thought I was going to preach longer. All right. There comes David. You didn't go to sleep up there, did you? Yes. <laughs> Good answer, baby. Good answer. So we're going to sing, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. I want you guys to have the final word. And I hope that you walk out of here today just realizing how much God loves you. And I hope that you'll take every thought captive. I hope you begin to think like God thinks. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little crazy. Kind of in the middle here. Everybody that's on this side over here, I want you to turn and look this way. Everybody on this side, turn and look this way. And I want you to do something a little scary. I want you to make eye contact. You were probably wondering who was over on the other side of the, of the room. So we're going to sing, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. We're going to sing it in, in English. If you know the words, if not, the words will be on the screen. The second time through, I'm going to ask Alexandra to, to sing it in Spanish. My goal was to get it in African, Spanish, but the, we, the person couldn't come. But I appreciate her coming. This is her third service, so she, need, she really needs an afternoon of relaxation. So we're going to sing, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. We're going to sing it to each other. But instead of just singing it, I want you to believe it. And then we're going to celebrate with communion today. He really does love us. So let's sing it through once in English, the first verse. We're going to hear it in Spanish. And then one more time in English. And then we're going to celebrate communion. So let's just sing with our heart. And let's just remind each other how much he really does love you and me. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves you and 